Amen. Open our eyes, Lord. That should be our prayer, that our eyes would always be open to who Jesus Christ truly is. I'm afraid in this day and this time that we live, there's a lot of blinded eyes that does not see Jesus Christ for who he truly is. You have your Bibles this morning. We want to talk on that topic. Open our eyes, Lord. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35, will be our scripture text this morning. Now, as you know, last Sunday, churches all over the world really focused on the resurrection, and many people, many churches went out of their way celebrating the empty tomb and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as great as an event as that was, and much attention should be given to the resurrection of our Lord, please understand that. There are many important things that happen following the resurrection of our Lord that sometimes we just flat overlook, and sometimes we just don't think that uh, uh, we take them lightly, okay? One such event took place on the afternoon of the resurrection of our Lord. In fact, it was the fourth post-resurrection appearance of our Lord, and it happened that afternoon, late in the afternoon, Jesus appears to two depressed and disillusioned uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus as they were recalling, as they were walking down the road, they were recalling all the events that had taken place the previous three days, you know, from the day Jesus was uh, arrested to his resurrection. Now, we we have before us this morning, excuse me, I believe one of the most vivid and insightful accounts of our Lord's appearance after His resurrection. Now, though Mark makes mention uh, of the uh, resurrection, I mean, this uh, story that we want to talk to you about this morning, as Mark makes mention of this, you know, uh, Luke is the only one that goes in detail about what happened on this day. You know, in Mark's account, you know, he just, uh, you know, just real briefly touches on this and shows how there were just a couple of guys walking that Jesus appeared to. So the journey to Emmaus, I believe, is both literal and a spiritual journey. On one hand, it recounts the story of these two disciples who, after the crucifixion and after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they begin that seven-mile journey back to their village of Emmaus. And as they was walking along, you know, this is where the story picks up this morning. On one hand here, you know, this journey outlines for us all, I believe, you know, that sometimes we have a lack of recognizing Jesus when he appears before us. Sometimes we have a lack of truly understanding what the scripture says about him. Sometimes we don't really recognize Jesus Christ for who he really is. And finally, we can see in this story this morning that our giving witness of what we experience with Jesus Christ should be something that we get excited about because we have met with Jesus Christ. Now notice with me, as we continue celebrating here the resurrection of our Lord this morning, five things in this passage I want to point out this morning. First of all, on the road to Emmaus, the Lord seeks us out. We all have them days that we are walking our own Emmaus road. And I want you to understand, when we are on this Emmaus road, and again, these disciples were dejected, they was feeling lost, they was feeling like, what has happened? You know, we have followed this guy. 
And sometimes we get to feeling that way too. We're dejected, we're down, and we're out. We're on our road of Emmaus. And although the disciples knew who Jesus Christ was, they did not recognize Him as He joined in their walk with them. Now, they knew about Him because they had witnessed all those things that had happened in Jerusalem. You know, they had heard, no doubt, on many occasions, you know, the things that Jesus had testified about himself, they were some of his disciples. So they had followed him around the countryside. They knew what he had testified about himself. Yet they were not able to recognize him as Jesus walked right beside them. Now, I believe there's several reasons they were not able to do that. First of all, God did not want them to recognize Jesus at this time. For some reason, and we'll probably get into that, God just did not want them to recognize Jesus at this point in the journey. Now look at verse 13. Let's look at verses 13 through 15 this morning. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three uh, score furlongs, or around seven miles. And, uh, and they walked together, or talked together, of all the things that had happened. And it came to pass that, that while they communed together, one with another, and they reasoned, Jesus drew himself near, and he went with them. But look at this, verse 16. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Now, in the original language, it conveys the idea that they were kept from recognizing him. Okay, Because God had a purpose for blinding their eyes at this particular time period. Now Mark's gospel, as I mentioned a while ago, mentions about this, but he just speaks about an encounter you know, with two guys. In fact, in Mark's account, he says this, after Jesus appeared in, in a different form to the two men while they were walking the countryside. This is the same two men. Now again, Jesus appeared, he says, in a different form. Now what this different form was, we don't really know. All we know is that their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus at this time. You know, I don't believe Jesus was being mean or cruel here by, by not revealing his identity. Again, these were two of his disciples. You know, but I don't think Jesus was being mean or whatever. You know, his gradual revelation of himself would allow them to learn certain lessons about trusting God. And sometimes it's the same way with us, folks. God takes us through things because God wants us to learn something about him. Had they have just recognized Jesus right off the bat, Jesus would not have been able to take them where he took them that we're going to see this morning. Jesus gradually, and that, again, he gradually revealed himself, and as a result of it, they learned some uh, lessons about trusting God and his promises. The disciples had been told about these events many times, but they had not believed. And as they walked with this unrecognized Jesus, okay, he reprimanded them for rejecting the words of the prophets, you know, who, who had foretold about all that he would go through. The prophets foretold about the agonizing treatment that awaited this suffering uh, Messiah. He went through all the main books of the Scripture and he reminded them 
of the suffering that would be a prelude, you know, to the glorious arrival of Messiah. In other words, he went through the Old Testament Scripture and he said, look, guys, all of this points toward what I went through. I come up here and you're, you're, you're down and you're out. And you're wondering why all the suffering, you know, why did he have to go through that? He wasn't who he said he was. And, and he said, if you would have knew the Scripture, you would have knew that Messiah would have to go through these things. If you knew and believed the Scripture, why would you be surprised about this Jesus of Nazareth? Now, again, remember, at this point, they did not know who he was. Their eyes had been kept from revealing him. You know, so the, this mysterious stranger, he walked the road with them. He listened to them. He opened and searched the Scripture with them. And without realizing it, they slowly began to understand the event that transpired over the last three days. They had not understood it before that time. But as Jesus walked with them, as he talked with them, as he broke open the scripture with them, slowly they began to understand, wow, this is why what happened over the last three days happened. And again, had Jesus just let them know right off the bat who he was, he wouldn't have been able to teach them the lesson he wanted to teach them. And again, folks, God will allow us and he'll take us through some things sometimes because he wants to teach us a lesson, okay? And, and we'll be blinded to some things of God sometimes because he wants to walk us through and he wants to teach us some lessons. So, the problem was this. The events had not happened as they expected, talking about the disciples. That was the problem with them. You see, you know, look at verse 17. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one with another, as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? In other words, don't you know what's transpired over these few days? Don't you know what they've done to this great prophet? Don't you know what, the, what has happened to this man that we have given our life to? He said, are you just a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which have come to pass in these days? And he, Jesus, said to them, uh, what things? <laughs> He's kind of playing dumb here. What, what things are you talking about? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have him crucified. But we trusted that he had been that. Now again, see, look here. This is going to show you that what they expected was not what God had in mind, okay? They missed all expectations. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel, and besides all of this, today is the third day since these things were done. You see, they were saying, we had our expectations of this guy. That's why we gave our lives to him. That's why for, we followed him for all these years. That's why we had faith and trust in him, that he was going to deliver us from bond, or the, the Romans. Look, these two disciples, just like the rest, had a preconceived idea of who Jesus was, what he had come to do, and how he was going to do it. 
And, and, but, that, that, but when things did not turn out like they thought they should be, what did they do? Same thing the rest of the disciples did. They dismissed the whole thing as a mere failure and a misplaced hope and trust in the one that they thought had come to deliver them. Look, we must understand that while God always has a plan, we're not always privy to that plan, okay? We're not always privy to that plan. When things don't turn out like we expect, instead of giving up and admitting defeat, you know, as these disciples did, probably and perhaps we should be wise to see things a little different, to see that maybe God is up to something that we don't understand. And folks, listen, many things happen in our life that God is up to that we don't understand. But if we'll just open our eyes to see Jesus, if we will just let Him walk with us and talk with us and commune with us, let Him take us to the Scripture like He did these guys, suddenly our eyes are going to be open and we're going to understand there's more to this than what I thought. Look, they had demonstrated very little faith. And not only Jesus, but God's word also. Look at verse 22. Yea, and certain women also of our company. Now the company he's talking about, us disciples, us followers of Jesus, made us astonished. <laughs> uh, okay? In other words, he, they, they fixing to say what they, had, what they come back and told us after they went to the tomb. It astonished us. Okay? Which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but they saw him not. Now again, they were astonished, it says here. Why were they astonished? Because something happened that they did not understand, yet it was something that had, they had been told for thousands of years through the prophets that was going to happen. Not only that, while Jesus was with them, while Jesus walked with them, that whole three and a half years he was with them, he told them that he would be put to death and after three days would rise again. But yet they were still astonished. These two disciples, you know, had heard the reports of the women who went to the tomb, you know, and, and for, seen for themselves, but yet they had not believed. Look, the supernatural working of God raised Jesus from the dead. And that act was outside their scope of faith, and it was outside their ability to believe. You see, again, many times things happen in our life that is actually outside our scope of faith and outside our ability to believe, but we have to trust God. Look, they had never seriously considered who Jesus truly was. They followed him because they thought he was going to deliver them from the Romans. That was their only reason. I don't think they really knew that he was Messiah. Because had they have really known that he was Messiah, they would have knew the scripture and knew that when they went to the tomb that day, they should have went there celebrating that he's going to be alive just like he told us he was going to be. But no, what did they go to tomb with? With spices to anoint a dead body. 
And when word come back to disciples, you know, again, they should have been the first at the tomb saying, he said he's going to be alive. We expected that stone to be rolled away. We expected Jesus to meet us there. But same way with these two disciples. It was beyond their level of faith. It was beyond their ability to believe. Look, we need to be careful not to make the same mistake, to discount what God you know, has done simply because we cannot explain it. Simply because we cannot believe it or understand it. Look, while God often uses natural things to accomplish his will, he also does things that is unnatural. He also does things that we cannot explain, that we cannot understand. Look, these two disciples knew something had happened, but again, it was beyond their level of faith to see things as they truly were. Look, just because they knew about Jesus didn't know they knew Jesus. And our churches are full of people who know about Jesus, but do not know him. Look, just because they could see him does not mean they could see who he was. And again, many people today know Jesus. Many people have heard about Jesus. Many people have read about Jesus. Many people use his name, some of them in vain. And many claim to know him. Yet, they would not recognize him if he appeared right before them. Look, their eyes have not been open to who he truly is. And again, I think our churches are full of people who their eyes are still closed to who Jesus Christ really is. Because if our eyes was open to who he truly is, folks, our lifestyle would be a whole lot different than what it is. Knowing about him and knowing him are two different things. Now, Jesus guided them, okay? He is revealed through the words of the prophets. Let, let's, let's take a look at verse 25. Then he said to them, Oh, fools, boy, how bad it is when God has to call you a fool, okay? He said, Oh, fools, and slow to heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. He's saying, if you knew the Scripture, the prophets have told you everything that would happen the last three days. If you knew the Scripture, the prophets have told you what was going to happen on the third day. You know, if you had listened to me, you would have known what was going to happen on that third day. Look at verse 26. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Now, look at this, verse 27. Here's the important part. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, uh, the things in scripture concerning him. So, what do we see here? Jesus begins revealing himself through the written word. Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and from all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself in the scripture. Now look, while we don't know the specific passages Jesus used, we, we don't know that. You know, we know that he quoted to them scriptures with the view of pointing them and showing them how all of the Old Testament pointed toward him as its fulfillment. Look, perhaps, I don't know, I, I, I'm just going to pull out some scriptures I think Jesus may have pulled out to them. 
Perhaps he started at the very beginning when Jesus is first mentioned in the Scripture in Genesis 3.15, you know, where God cursed the serpent and he said this to the serpent, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between her seed and, and your seed and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Folks, that is prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was pointing out here how the seed of the serpent, which is humanity, would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, which is Jesus Christ. But because the strike to Jesus Christ was not the head, rather it was the heel, it wouldn't be a lethal blow. So Jesus Christ would continue to live. You know, perhaps maybe he pointed out Deuteronomy 8.15, which says, The Lord your God will raise you up a prophet like me from among his own brothers, and you must listen to him. You know, perhaps from there he went to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and have a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel. They knew about the virgin birth. Why couldn't they tie Scripture together? You know, from there Jesus may have took him to Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one uh, people turned away from. He was despised and we did not value him. He may have read uh, Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb before the slaughter and like a sheep silent before his shears. He did not open his mouth. Listen, they witnessed the crucifixion. They witnessed the beatings. They witnessed how Jesus Christ kept his mouth shut through all of it. Why couldn't they tie Isaiah 53, 7 to this? I think that's one of the things Jesus pointed out. Perhaps he went to Zechariah 12, 10. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they have pierced. Did they pierce the side of Jesus? You bet they did. They will mourn for him as one mourns for the only child and weep bitterly for him as one who weeps for their firstborn. Again, prophecy concerning Messiah. We, we know that Jesus probably walked him through the entirety of the prophet's pro, uh, uh, prophecy. Again, they had seven miles to go, seven-mile journey. And I believe on that whole seven-mile journey, Jesus pointed out Scripture just like these, just like these. Now, remember, their eyes were still not able to see Jesus for who he was. So they was just receiving some teaching from this stranger who joined them, okay? You know, but Jesus wanted them to see that if you'll only believe the Scripture and what it says about him, then they would understand why he came. They would understand why he had to suffer, that they did not, you know, again, when Jesus joined them, and said, why did he have to go through all this? They would understand why he had to suffer, and they would have known at that point who he was. Now, the next thing we see here is this. Scripture gives testimony of who Jesus is, and he used the Scripture today. Listen to me. He used Scripture with these guys, didn't he, to open their eyes. Today, Jesus opens our eyes through Scripture for those who do not know him. Scripture like Luke chapter 16, verse 31. 
Remember when the rich man died and Lazarus died and the rich man went to hell and Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom and the rich man began to cry out, you know, Abraham, Father Abraham, send him back to warn my brothers of this terrible place that they're going to end up in just like me. And here's what Jesus told this guy in hell in Luke chapter 16, verse 31. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be persuaded if someone from the dead showed up. What, did, what, 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 what uh, Abraham, was he saying there? They better believe the scripture. They better believe what Moses and the prophets have to say. You know, in John uh, 145, Philip found Nathaniel when he met Jesus. And, and he ran to Nathaniel and he said, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, the Nazareth. Again, the scripture points toward Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 46. If you believe Moses, you know, you would have believed me because Moses wrote about me, Jesus said. Look, many people will try to tell you who Jesus is. You know, today people will say he's one of many ways to get to heaven. Listen to me, Jesus is not one of many ways to get to heaven. Jesus is the way to get to heaven. But many people say, well, yeah, he, I know him. He, he's one of them. That, he, he's one of many ways to get to heaven. They'll tell you that he was a good man. He was a good prophet. You know, he was a good teacher. Some might say, yeah, he rebelled. He was a rebeller, you know, who re defied the Roman authorities. But outside knowledge of Scripture, folks, you'll never have a prayer of understanding who Jesus Christ was. You have to understand the Scripture. And that's what this unrecognized Jesus was telling these two disciples. The Scripture reveals it all. Look, that is one reason it's so important to believe all the Scripture in God's Word. You know, I'm going to say this. If, if the Scripture is untrustworthy at any point, it is untrustworthy throughout it all. If there's one thing in Scripture that is wrong, if there's one lie in Scripture, if there's one thing in Scripture that is untrustworthy, then you might as well throw this whole 66 books in the trash. Okay? Everything in God's Word, folks, is truth. Everything in God's Word points toward Jesus Christ. Look, when you know the Scriptures, they will build your faith. And only through faith can one come to Jesus Christ. Look, that's why it's so important we study the Bible. That's why it's so important we study the Word. Because when you know the Scripture, it's going to build your faith. And that's exactly what Jesus was telling these two disciples. If you had known the Scripture... Your faith in me would have been stronger. If you had known the scripture, you would have knew who I was when they had me strapped to that post and they would beat me with that cat of nine tails. If you knew the scripture, you would have knew when they placed that crown of thorn on me who I was. If you knew the scripture come Sunday morning, you know, you would have been running to that tomb because you would have expected me to be standing out front meeting you with wide open arms. But because you didn't know the Scripture, you don't know me. Look, if we're going to find Jesus, the truth of Scripture, it's all about Him. 
And it's the truth of Scripture, folks, that's going to lead to personal faith in Jesus Christ. Without the Scripture, there is no faith. Look, God prevented these two disciples from recognizing Jesus to convey a deep truth to them. Even if we were to see, we still might not believe. We have to trust the testimony of God's Word. And that's what it's there for. Jesus tells us that we must have the scriptural truth to understand who He is. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? By what? By the Word of God. So how are you going to build your faith if you're weak in the faith? Through the Word of God. Get in it. Study it. We've never as Baptists been kept from the Word of God. We've always had the Word of God. And the sad thing about it is for many who have the Word of God, they never open it except on Sunday mornings during the preaching. How sad. And they wonder why their faith is so small. Wow, these two disciples didn't know the Scripture. Oh, they may have been able to quote some of it, but they didn't know it. There's people who can quote John 3, 16, but they don't really know what that's saying. Are you with me? So knowing what the Word of God says is not knowing the Word of God. That's two different things, and that's what Jesus was pointing out here. Outside the Word of God, there is no reliable witness who Jesus Christ really is. The Scripture tells us the truth about Jesus. Now, look at the third thing here. Their eyes was open. Look, Jesus opens our eyes to reveal who He is, how through Scripture, okay? Look, look at verse 28. And they drew nigh to the village of Emmaus, whether they went, where they went, and he made as though he would go further. Now, what it's saying is, as they got to Emmaus, Jesus said, well, I'm on, I'm on, I still got a place to go here. Okay, but look at verse 28. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry <coughs> with them. And it came to pass, now, this is a passage of Scripture us Baptists really like, okay? You'll see why in a moment. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and their eyes was open to him. My point is, you know how we Baptists love fellowships? It was when they fellowshiped with Jesus that their eyes was open. It's when they had them chick that fried chicken on the table, when they had that mashed potatoes on the table, that whole kernel corn on the table, that will open your eyes to who Jesus is. No, no, no. It was because the presence of Jesus was with them. But look at it. And it came to pass as they set it meat with him, he took bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and their eyes was open and they knew him. They didn't just know of him now. They knew him. But, <laughs> oh, wow. He vanished out of their sight. Now, don't, don't you think that was amazing, astonishing? That as soon as they recognized him, poof, he was gone. Hmm, I wonder why that happened. Let's, let's read on. And they said one to another. Now, now, don't miss this part. 
did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us? Now, what they're saying is on that seven-mile journey we just took, when he talked, didn't our heart burn within us? Didn't we realize there was something different about this guy? He said, didn't our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the way? And while he opened up to us the Scripture? Look, when Jesus Christ went to the Word of God, it burned within them, guys. How many people in our churches today have that burning feeling within inside them as they read the Scripture, as they study the Scripture? Because the Scripture really has meaning. Let me tell you, when Jesus began sharing the Scripture with those guys, it hit home and there was just a burning desire. And Wow, this is something else. This is real. When was the last time the Word of God was real to you? When you broke it open. Look, it was only as they had fellowship with Jesus that he disclosed himself for who he truly was. Now, there's a point there, too. Jesus reveals himself to those who, whose eyes he has opened through the truths of his word. And look, it's not without significance that, you know, it was around the supper table <clears throat> that the disciples' eyes were open as they see Jesus for who he truly was. Because look, after the resurrection, many of the appearances of Jesus was associated with table fellowship. You go read after Jesus come back. Many of the, the, the appearances was associated with table fe fellowship. It's true in Luke 24. It's true in Acts 1. It's true in John 21. Look, in the intimacy of fellowship, Jesus reveals himself to us. Now, we're not talking about food fellowship here. Listen to me. It's when we are in fellowship with Jesus, he reveals himself to us. If you're out of fellowship with Jesus, you're not going to recognize him. It's only when we're in fellowship with him that he becomes real in our life. His working in our lives becomes clear, and his provision and protection comes into focus as we have fellowship with him. The, uh, the apostle John in 1 John 1, 6 and 7, we talked about this Wednesday night in our Bible study. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie, we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship not only with him, but we have fellowship with one another. Now, again, what did John say? If we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie. You want Jesus to reveal himself to you? You want to understand why he's doing what he's doing? Then you need to be in fellowship with him. Because if you're not in fellowship with him, you're not going to understand what he's doing in your life. You're going to be in darkness. Look, his working in our lives becomes clear, and his provisions and protection comes in focus at that point. Again, if you want to see Jesus for who he truly is, you walk in fellowship with him because at that point you're in his life. But notice, when they recognized him for who he truly was, as I said a moment ago, he disappeared. What was the purpose of Jesus revealing himself and then disappearing? It's because fellowship with him was going to depend upon their ability to see him, to see him. Look, the fourth thing here, fourth thing. They proclaim the risen Christ, which means Jesus moves us to share. 
Look at verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he hath appeared to Simon. And they told the things that were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking bread. Look, when we are in fellowship with Christ, okay, our eyes, your eyes, are open. And you will want to share him with others. Look, if you say that you're in fellowship with Jesus, but you're not wanting to tell others about Jesus, there's a problem. Okay, there's a problem. Look, can you imagine the excitement they must have felt? They said one to another, does not our hearts burn within us, you know, with him just speaking to us on the road? When he was explaining scripture, wasn't there that burning desire? We knew something was different about this guy, but we didn't know it was Jesus. Look, their encounter with Jesus had been emotional. It had stirred them on the inside. It moved them to their very hearts. And once moved, they could not help but run somewhere and share Jesus Christ. Look, when we're in fellowship with the Lord, it's an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing. And we should want to share our experience. Look, they were so excited. Don't, get this, don't miss this. They had just walked that seven-mile journey. It was late in the evening. It was getting dark. Yet because their hearts were stirred, you know, that there was that burning within them, they went right back to Jerusalem, that seven miles, because they wanted to share with the disciples what had just happened to them. What had just happened to them. That very hour, as dark as it was, as late as it was, as dangerous as that road was going to be, they left Jerusalem to share their experience with others. Look, they gave witness that Jesus was risen, and that he had walked with them and talked with them and explained scripture to them, and that he even sat down and broke bread with them. Look, all who have experienced the resurrected Savior should be moved to similar emotion. All who have come to know him should react this same way. We should not be able to contain ourselves. Jesus told Thomas, look, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. He said, but blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Now, let's go back. Jesus did not reveal himself to those disciples. Okay? Their eyes were blinded to who he truly was. Now, keep in, in mind what he, uh, Jesus told John, I mean, uh, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and believe. Those two disciples believed without seeing who Jesus was. And their blessing was to have their eyes open. Maybe that's why God didn't allow them to know who Jesus was at the very beginning. Because blessed is he that has not seen and still believe. Blessed is he. Look, what a lesson on this road to Emmaus. Jesus will always bring us back to the truth of the situation. When we invite Jesus to abide with us, he's going to reveal to us who he is. No matter how dark the day, no matter how terrible the situation, he will meet us on our road to Emmaus. Now, maybe you're on a road to Emmaus today. 
And what I mean by that, you're just down, you're out, you're dejected. Things in life just don't seem like they're going like you had thought they should. You know, things in life are, you know, are going, and you said, why is this happening? Again, just like them, why did he have to go through this stuff? Why, why, why? Maybe on your road to Emmaus this morning, you're asking that same question, why? Well, why don't you invite Jesus into your house? Why don't you, why don't you try to get to know who he actually is? Why don't you let him speak to you through his word? Why, why don't you commune with him? Why don't you walk with him? Why don't you talk with him? Why don't you fellowship with him? Look, do you know Jesus this morning? Have, you, have your eyes been open to true, who he truly is and what he's really done for you in your life? Do you know what, that he, 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 he wants to walk with you, that he wants to talk with you? Can you testify this morning to his presence in your life? Do you have fellowship with him? You know, has your experience with him been so real and so moving as it was with these guys and so life-changing that it has caused you to just want to go shout it from the mountaintop that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is for real, that Jesus can change lives? Where are you this morning? What will you do with just Jesus this morning? I've introduced you to him this morning. Told you who he was. This morning he may be blinded. Your eyes may be blinded to who he truly is. But just like with the disciples, if you will listen to his word that you've been given this morning, if you will invite him to come to your table this morning, I'm talking about the table of your heart then your eyes will be open to who he truly is and the salvation he has to offer you. If you're here this morning and you don't know him as your personal Savior, I would hope this morning your eyes are open to who he truly is and what he truly has for you. Child of God, if you've been saved but you're not in fellowship with him, why not come back to him this morning? Get that excitement that you once had when you, was, when, when you was first saved. I've told people before, I can still remember when I was first saved in the office of my pastor, Brother Charles Brighthop at Second Baptist Church in Tomball, Texas. When I got up from his, off of his floor and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, I felt I could charge hell with a water pistol. And when I got through, there would not be a flame left down there. That was the excitement I had when my eyes was first opened to Jesus. When was the last time you had the excitement that these disciples had, that burning within you? Yeah, you may be like that Wolf Brand Chili commercial. That's been too long. It's been too long. Let's pray. Father God.